Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. I don't know if anyone here have, has ever walked down a red carpet before. Has anyone here ever walked down a red carpet? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, a couple of you guys have. Couple of you. How many of you have never walked down a red carpet? Raise your hand. All right, never, never. Okay. I know, I think in my life, I might have walked down the red carpet once. So I just thought that it would be such a cool idea if I would have a red carpet that would be able to lay out here at the altar. But where could I find a red carpet now at this time? Oh, thank you guys. You guys are the best. Wow. Look, it's so convenient. It's not like we planned this and had Alex and Eddie on the side with the red carpet. (laughs) Guys, see how God works? (laughs) Thank you so much. So here we have a red carpet. And as you know, red carpets are seen whenever there's events, um, special dignitaries and in movies, and of course, it's a moment where there's a lot of applause and a lot of recognition. So I actually thought it would be really cool to start off with having someone walk down the red carpet. And actually, I wasn't necessarily planning this, but how I highlighted Marianne. Marianne, I think you should walk down this red carpet. So guys, as... But you have to wait a second. You have to wait. Wait, wait, wait. Oye, está apurada. Espera, 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 espera. Tranquila, chica. Tranquila, chica. Tranquila. So, uh, so as she walks down the red carpet, let's thank God for her and give a big applause. Thank you, God. Marianne, walk down the red carpet. Woo! Now, Marianne, you have to do the turn and walk down the red carpet again. Thank you, Marianne. So, so as uh, like a couple of you raise your hand that you've had that experience. And one of the things, the reason I have the red carpet here today, because I'm going to highlight actually three red carpets this morning. Three red carpets. Today, we're going to talk about three red carpets. You'll see it in the back. The one they rolled the one he rolled, and the one we roll. And we're going to go by, we're going to do each one, one at a time. The first one we're going to highlight, the first red carpet is the one that they rolled. As you know, today's Palm Sunday, and that's why all of you have the palms. I have my palm right here. You see right here? I got my palm. You know, this palm was in my pocket. It got kind of squished a little bit, but I got my palms. So, of course, the first Palm Sunday, some, what we need to realize, Palm Sunday marks the beginning of Jesus' last days on earth. On earth, like in his physical body. It marks the last days because that was Palm Sunday, but by the end of the week, 
on Good Friday, he would be crucified. He would be crucified. So here, Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey. This event is such a big event that the announcement of it could be seen 500 years before it actually happened. Some of you plan birthday parties or special events, or if you got married, you know, you send your invitation three months before, six months before. Some of you might even send it, who knows, depending on what it is, one year before. This invitation and announcement was sent 500 years before. We see this in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Here's the prophet saying, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter, Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So here you see clearly 500 years before the prophet speaking about the event that was going to take place in Palm Sunday. We're going to read here, In Jerusalem, there was a large crowd building. And we're going to read in Matthew chapter 21, verse 8 through 11. It says this. A very large crowd spread their cloaks. And a cloak is like a heavy rope-like coat. So I want you to picture that. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees. They spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and and those that followed shouted. Now we're going to all shout this now too, because it's as if we're there at the moment, Jesus riding the donkey, entering Jerusalem, everyone with palm branches, and all of a sudden everyone shouted in the count of three, one, two, three, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So here they're shouting this, and then we're going to continue in verse 10. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Now, I want you to realize that we... A lot of times when we read the Bible, we could probably assume that everybody knew who Jesus was or most people had an idea. But here in this time period, at this event that's happening, pretty much there was an estimated of 1 million to 2 million people that were there. So they're hearing all this commotion happening and they're pretty much trying to find out, they're trying to find out what is happening. So they, they, they say the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Verse 11, the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, as you can tell here, many of them were saying he's the prophet from Galilee. They weren't saying, you know, he's the son of God or he was God just because some of them were trying to figure out who Jesus was. But I tell you this much, Jesus was very popular at this moment. And it's amazing how he was so popular here 
But in the end of the week, he ended up being crucified. One of the reasons he was very popular, it was because five days before, he performed an amazing miracle where he raised someone from the dead. Does anyone know, does anyone know who he raised from the dead? Lazarus. So he raised Lazarus from the dead. And then five days later, he's making his way into Jerusalem on a donkey. So think about it. If you know about what happened, you're going to be standing there talking to people. Look, look, this is Jesus. He's the one that raised Lazarus from the dead. He's the prophet from Galilee. He's the one that could save us from the Romans. So all of a sudden, there's so many different things, so many different topics, so many different um, discussions that they might be having. But that's pretty much what was happening there at the moment. It might seem weird to us when you, when you see the fact that they had palm branches waving. They were laying down their cloaks in front of Jesus. But believe it or not, this, is, this was like a tradition. This was a tradition through the years, through the centuries, pretty much there in Israel. And I'm going to give you just an example for you to get an idea of, of it. You'll see in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13, where it talks about King Yehu, and it says this, 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13, it says, They quickly took their cloaks, spread them underneath him uh, uh, on the bare steps. Then they blew trumpets and shouted, Jehu is king. And he was a king from Israel. So the reason I wanted to share that is for you to realize it's not the first time that people hear people laying down cloaks or coats in front of people, um, kings or other people that military leaders, you could say as well. It's not the first time. But what I want you to realize is what they're laying down is a red carpet. They're laying down a red carpet. You know, they don't have this nice red carpet that we bought from Party City. Thank you, Party City. Thank you for hooking us up. You know, they don't, they, back then, they didn't have nice Party City red carpets. They had palm branches. They had their own jackets and cloaks. So they wanted to honor the king. So they took off their jackets laying down. They took the palm branches they could find, waved them, and lay them down as well so that they could roll out the red carpet for King Jesus. Now, that's the first red carpet. How many red carpets I told you I'm going to talk about? Three. Three. So this is the second roll, um, red carpet. It's the one he rolled. The one Jesus rolled. Because it's amazing for us to think that on Palm Sunday, while people were rolling a red carpet before Jesus, some of them without sincere hearts. They were rolling it because they wanted something. They were rolling the red carpet in front of Jesus. But but while this red carpet was being rolled in front of Jesus, Jesus had a red carpet he was rolling out himself. He was rolling out a red carpet starting on Palm Sunday. The beginning was on Palm Sunday, and it was making its way to the cross and then to resurrection. And the, palm, the, red cross, uh, the red carpet, 
that he was rolling out was a red carpet for each and every one of us, every person that's ever lived, a red carpet that we would be able to walk on so that we could walk directly into God's presence. It's a red carpet that you're able to walk down and you would hear the applause from heaven the moment that you're walking down this red carpet when you choose to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as you choose to give him everything, and all of a sudden we know that this is the red carpet he's laying down for us. So Jesus here laying down this red carpet, knowing that he's going to pay the ultimate price. The red carpet that Jesus was laying down was red because it was red with his blood. It was his blood that made it a red carpet. And he made a red carpet for each and every one of us to be able to walk into God's presence. And we need to realize that there's nothing more beautiful for us to know that Jesus loves us so much that God loves us so much that he wants us to be honored in God's presence and he wants us to have full access to God's presence. Nothing, there's nothing good we could do to get into God's presence. There's no good works you could do. Sometimes I talk to people and I'm like, why do you think you're gonna get to heaven? They're saying, they say, I'm good. I'm like, good compared to who? You know, you're good compared to someone that you saw on TV that might have done something you think you wouldn't do. We're all not good compared to God. There's no goodness in us besides the God in us. And we've all fallen short. And none of us deserve to be in God's presence. Like some of us think that we could earn the right to be part in God's presence. If we go to church enough, we could go into God's presence. Or if I read the Bible enough, I could go into God's presence. Or if I um, worship God, if I know the big bands that are out there and I know all the hill songs and all the different people, I could go into God's presence. Let me tell you, the only access we have into God's presence is the bloodshed red carpet that Jesus laid down for you to walk through. On, that's the only one. That's the only way. It's through Jesus' blood and sacrifice. There's nothing good that you could do. There's nothing you could say. There's nothing you could become that could earn the right for you to walk through the red carpet to enter God's presence. Only the blood of Jesus gives you that access. Only the blood of Jesus. In John chapter 10, verse 11, it says this. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus laid down his life for each and every one of us. So when you think about it, when you walk down the red carpet that Jesus provides, you're really walking down his life. He laid down his life. You're walking on the path he created through the sacrifice that he made. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, and we know he's righteous, we're unrighteous, to bring you to God. 
he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So right there you see again, for Christ also suffered once for sins to bring us to God. So he's the only path to God. Now, I want to let you know, I, I, told, I talked to you about the first red carpet, the one that the world has, and the red uh, carpet that Jesus lays out for each and every one of us. Both red carpets don't compare. Let me tell you, one, you might get the applause from the world. The one that you walk down that Jesus lays down, you get the applause from heaven. The applause from heaven, because when you choose to walk down that path, when you choose to lay down your life for God, there's no greater decision that you could ever make in your life. So many times we think of all the different decisions we need to make. Let me tell you, the day you decide that you want to lay down your life for God, and the day that you decide that you want to walk down the path, the red carpet that he has laid out for you, is the greatest day of your life because you're making the greatest decision to put Jesus number one in your heart. Now, I told you, well, before we even go there, I want to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says there, this, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have this confidence to enter the most holy place, God's presence, by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus is only his blood. Now, I told you there were three red carpets, and it's the one that they rolled, the one that Jesus rolled for each and every single one of us. And the last carpet that we need to highlight today is the one we have the opportunity to roll. Every single one of us, we have a choice to roll out a red carpet for God. We have a choice. You might be wondering, how do I roll out a red carpet for Jesus? You get to roll this out in your heart. And before I even tell you more about it, I, I, I want to make something very clear. It's not the palm branches you wave. It's not how loud you shout. It's not how many times you might say amen. It, it's, it's not how many times you come to church. It's not how many times you go or you read the Bible or you memorize scripture or you pray. It's about you laying down your life to God. So many times Christians give God lip service. We know how to say the things, but we're not willing to lay our hearts down to God. We know how to go to church, but yet we don't know how to be the church. You know, so many times we know how to have an artificial, superficial, outside of appearance that we are a Christian, but yet we're truly not living for God. There's a big difference between being a fan of God and a disciple of God. On Palm Sunday, there were tons of fans. They had the palm branches, they were shouting and screaming, but their hearts 
weren't really into it. You know, they were giving Jesus lip service, but of course, Jesus is able to see through all of that. Now, we need to realize that what moves God's heart is not being a fan of him, but being a disciple of his. Because it's not the noise we make for God. It's the obedience following him that pulls his heart. So there's a big difference. So there's, if I would do a poll right now and ask throughout the whole world, how many Christians are there? I guarantee you it's going to be a huge number that people are going to call themselves Christian. But yet, how many of those that call themselves Christians are actual, actually disciples? Because there's a big difference. And here during this season of Holy Week, it's very important for us to look at this because it's a time period for us to really look at our own hearts as well. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to verse 27. It says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world but yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Now here in this verse, in these passages, is very powerful. I mean, the, the reality is, if you want homework for today, just go home and focus on Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 27, those three verses, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If, if you're really tired of just being a fan of Jesus and you want to be a disciple, these three verses, go home and talk to the Holy Spirit and ask, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I don't want to be a fan of yours, a fan of God. I want to be a true disciple. And I want you to speak to me. Now, I know so many times we might be quick to say, well, I'm a, I am a disciple. Are you really? I, even myself, I have to evaluate myself every single day of my life. Every single day of my life, I have to evaluate myself just to make sure I'm a disciple of Jesus. Like, and the thing is, this is the thing. Sometimes when I, when I talk to someone too, and they think about their commitment to God. They're like, oh, no, 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 I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15, my heart to Jesus when I was 15 at a retreat. And that, that's their response. Now, let me tell you something. I give my heart to Jesus multiple times every single day of my life. Because when I give my heart to Jesus, I lay that, I give him my heart and when I feel like the world is trying to tug it out of his hands, pulling it in the wrong direction, I have to go back to Jesus and be like, no, 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 my whole heart is yours. 
And that's a daily thing. That's a multiple times a day thing. That's not you do it once, you said a little prayer back in the day and you're all good. No, 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 no. This is a daily communion with God, wanting to keep my heart in his hands and not taking it back. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of people that pray and be like, yo, God, Jesus, I give you my heart. And you go up to Jesus, you step into the throne room because Jesus made the path for you, right? The red carpet. You give Jesus your heart, but then as the day progresses and you see the sins, you see the temptations, you see the lures of the world, you see your career, you see your family, because it's not just the bad things that pull you away from Jesus. It's the good things as well. Let me tell you, I love my family. I love my wife, Jen. We've been married 20-something years already. Jesus is number one in my life, and Jesus is number one in her life. It has to be that way. Jen can't be my number one. I can't be Jen's number one. Jesus has to be the number one. It's not just bad things that pull you away from Jesus. It's good things too. So you go throughout your day, your family, your kids, your career, your the temptations, the busyness of the world, whatever it might be, social media, you, you might like TikTok more than you love Jesus. You know, all of a sudden, you're just caught up in so many different things in your life, just caught up with all these things. And then little by little, what, you, what you're doing, and you might not realize that you're doing this, but you gave your heart to Jesus in the beginning of the day, you could say, but throughout the day, you'd be like, yo, Jesus, yo. I know I gave you my heart in the beginning of the day, but I'm going to ask for it back. Come on, let me, let me get at least part of it back, Jesus. This, this esta esquinita que está aquí del corazón la quiero yo. So all of a sudden you take parts of your heart, the little corners, and little by little you start taking. Then what ends up happening, you really don't leave much for Jesus to hold of your heart. More of your heart is being held by the world. And the way I see it, the God of this world is Satan. Jesus is the king of everything. Jesus is the king over Satan. But the Bible says that the enemy is like the God of this world trying to lure people, blind people, keeping them away from the truth. So this is something we need to realize is whoever's holding your heart is your king. Whoever's holding your heart is your king. Sometimes people, I hear people say a lot of times, you know, everyone's a creation. Uh, no, everyone is a child of God. I, I hear that all the time. It's like, oh, no, everybody's a child of God. And I tell them, say, everybody's not a child of God. Everybody's a creation of God. But whoever you obey as father, that's the child that you, you know, that's your daddy, you could say. So if Father God is your dad, you obey Father God. If the enemy is your God, you obey him. And some of us were like, well, I would never follow Satan. Where's your heart? If, you, if your heart is in the world's hands and in the enemy's hand, and it's not in Jesus's hand, I got to tell you, you got to make sure you surrender everything to God. I want to highlight a couple quick things here too with this passage, Matthew 16, verses 24 to 27, is this. Jesus starts off by saying, whoever wants to be my disciple. It's a choice. Jesus is not here to beg you to follow him. Jesus never begged anyone. Please, please follow me. I need you to follow me. Jesus never did that in scripture. Jesus pretty much told you this is the path. You're invited. 
and he's heading his way with you or without you. If you choose not to follow him, that's on you. But literally, it's an invitation for every single one of you, whoever wants to be my disciple. Now, something that's interesting, the word disciple in its original meaning means student. It means student. So pretty much Jesus says, whoever wants to be my student, like pretty much come and follow me. But there's a big difference. When we hear the word student, we think of Kane University and Union College. Like you just show up, you sit down in school, and you just listen to the teacher. You get what you want to learn, and you walk away, and you do what you want to do. That's not the word student here in the, in the context of the way Jesus uses it. The, wor- the word student means you're there to learn from the master because you want to become just like the master. Just like the master. It's not you want to get certain aspects of the master or you want to learn certain things you could be smarter. No, 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 no. You're there to study from the master to become just like the master so that when the world sees you, they see the master. Because all of a sudden they'll look at you and be like, I see Jesus in you. There's something different about you. Are you a believer? Are you, you know, do you know God? And of course, of course, they see the master in you because you've been sitting in the classroom of the master. That is the disciple. And if you've walked out of the classroom, some of you have dropped out of the school of being a disciple of Jesus. You better sign up today. Sign up today, go straight into the classroom and tell Jesus that you want him to be your teacher, the master of your life, and you want to become just like him. And I know some of us are thinking, well, you know what? I got to get my life together first. Let me tell you something. That's the biggest lie in the whole wide world because you can't get your life together without Jesus helping you. So go into the classroom with your mess, with your problems, with your addictions, with your struggles, with your temptations, with your burdens, with your tears, with your past, your chains. I don't care what it takes. Sit inside that classroom and with all of your mess, You look at your master and you tell him, I want to learn for you, master. And let me tell you something. He will meet you there. And I guarantee you, as you learn from your master, the chains will fall off. As you learn from your masters, the burdens will be lifted up. As you learn from your master, the strongholds will be teared down. The mindsets that don't belong will fall apart by themselves as you learn from your master because that is what the master does. The second thing he says is to take up your cross. It's not easy to follow Jesus. If you want, like a lot of people think that following Jesus, is not, it's, it, it's going to be easy. It's not easy to follow Jesus. It's not easy to follow Jesus. And of course, we're talking about the three carpets, the one they rolled for Jesus in Palm Sunday, the one that Jesus rolled himself to give us path into his presence. When we lay down our lives for Jesus, when we choose to take up our cross and lay down our life, That is the red carpet Jesus walks on. It's us laying down our life. That's the red carpet we give Jesus the permission because he's waiting for us to do it, to walk down. So we need to realize we have to take up our cross. Something else he says is follow me. He says, follow me. You can't follow someone unless you're close to the person. 
How many of you, um, like, so many times, I mean, there, there's so many different ways I can say this, but let's say if you're driving and you're following somebody. So I actually sometimes don't like to follow someone. If I'm following someone in the car, you're like driving. Like, oh man, the red light, they're too close to this and that. And then all of a sudden, aquí viene este to cut me off, to get in between the gap. And you know, just one car between you and the other car, that's, there's problems there. That's right. That's the beginning of the problems. Because then there comes the second car, the third car. Oh, they switch lanes. Oh, they take that exit. All of a sudden, you lose track. And think about it. You have to stay close. You can't follow Jesus as your king and master far away from him. You have to stay close. You have to stay close enough to hear his voice. You have to stay close enough to be in his presence every single day of your life. You have to stay close to him. But so many times we let other cars cut in front of us. It could be a girlfriend. It could be a boyfriend. It could be a relationship. It could be our kids. It could be our problems. It could be our circumstances. It could be our job. It could be our ambitions, our dreams and goals. There's nothing wrong with your dreams and goals, but if they come before Jesus, there's something very wrong with it. So all of a sudden, you let one car get in between you. Then all of a sudden, it's two cars, then three cars, then four cars. You've lost track of Jesus. Someone talks to you and say, do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, he's somewhere up there. I'm trying to follow him. But you've lost exactly where he's at. Something else Jesus says is this, whoever loses their life for me will find it. Think of that, like, think of, you have to lose your life. You have to lay down your life. You have to give away everything, everything to him. And that's when you find your life. It's like the reverse. So many times people want to find their lives. So many times I talk to people, they're like, I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to figure things out myself. No, no, you, you're going to lose your life trying to find it yourself. You have to lose your life, lay down your life to Jesus, lay down your life as a red carpet so Jesus could walk down on your life as king of your, of your life. And then you'll be able to find your life. And then it says, that, and another thing he says is, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their own soul? So many people pretty much lose their soul chasing after things that are artificial, superficial of this world. The world has a great way to give you a little taste and make it seem like it's worth it. But the reality is not worth it. It's a lie that so many people choose to believe in. And lastly, it said, um, he said he rewards each person according to what they've done according to what they've done. So just think about that. There's a reward that God has for each and every one of us according to what we've done. And let me tell you, so many people get caught up with the applause from this world. The only applause I want is the applause from heaven. All I want is the day Unless Jesus comes first, the, the day I transition and I'm in God's presence, I just see Jesus and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And I just hear the applause from heaven. That's worth so much beyond measure. If even if you're able to get a chorus of the entire world applauding you at the same time from every country, the applause from heaven, even from just Jesus's hands 
It's all worth it to give your entire life for. So how I told you how we lay down our red carpet is pretty much literally laying down our lives. And you might think right off the bat that you've already done that. It's like, oh, you've already laid down your life. I'm going to have five questions to ask you. And as I read these questions too, I'm just going to ask Pastor Harold to come forward um, to the keys. These are five questions that I want you to reflect on in your own heart and life. The first one is this. You are more consumed with your life than spending time with God. These are red flags of your whole heart doesn't belong to Jesus type of thing. So look at that. You're more consumed with your life than spending time with God. So I want you to think about that. Think about your life. Think, think about your heart at this very moment. Are you more consumed about your life than spending time with God? Or spending time with God is such a priority in your life. Every single day, you want to spend time with God. The second uh, red flag would be this. You look at God for only what he can give you. You look at God for only what he can give you. Now, I could even just point it this way. When you look at your prayer life, is your prayer life just asking God for things? It's like, God, give me this, bless me with this, give me this, bless me with this, I need this. For those of you that are parents and if you have kids, imagine if all they do is just ask, 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 give me this. Some of you are like, well, that's normal in my house, that's how it is. But imagine if that's all they do. They never take the time to tell you that they love you. They never take the time to tell you that, like, what, how's your day going, dad? How's everything with you, mom? What's on your heart, dad? What's on your heart, mom? What could I help you with today, dad? What could I help you today with, mom? As a parent, imagine you would hear that. Think of how our Heavenly Father feels if all we do when we go into His presence, just ask Him for things. Imagine your prayer life completely changes when you wake up in the morning. You're like, good morning, Dad. What's on your heart, Dad? What do you want me to do today, Dad? What, what, what do you have in store for me to accomplish today? I might not see it. What moves your heart, Dad? What breaks your heart, Dad? I want to get to know you, Dad. I want to be able to hear your voice and be in your presence always, Dad. I'm sorry for always just coming to you asking for, for things. I want to know your heart. I don't, know, I, I don't just want to know what your hand could give me. I want to know what breaks your heart. What brings joy to your heart? I want to know what moves your heart. I want to know why you fashioned me in my mother's womb. Why am I here on this earth? 
Why, what's the purpose of my life that would bring joy to your heart, dad? I want to let you know, like in my prayer life, I really don't spend too much time praying for things for myself. I really don't. I pray mostly for you, for the church, for others, for the community, for things that are happening in the world. I don't really spend too much time praying for myself because I know as long as I'm in God's presence, he's going to take care of his son. As long as you're in God's presence, he's going to take care of his daughter. For, you, for those of you that are parents and you have your kids and they're in your house, in your presence, without them even asking for anything, aren't you going to take care of them? Aren't you going to give them what they need? Before they even ask it, because sometimes they ask you for things you know that they don't need, you know what they really need, and you'll give them what they need. I don't worry about asking God for things for myself. God knows, and he'll take care of me. I just have to stay close to him. As long as I stay home with him, in his presence, he's going to take care of all those things. Number three, I want us to think of another red flag. Your love for God is conditional. It's conditional. You are willing to love him under certain condition. There's concerns and issues with that. Another red flag is your commitment to God is customized. You're willing to be committed to him as long as it's according to your rules or what you want. You're not king of the universe. Only God is. And for us to go to God, be like, God, I'm willing to follow you if this takes place. God is not there to customize his, like pretty much a custom-made level of commitment for you to follow him. He lays down what he expects and we're called to follow him. And lastly is Sin is rationalized. This is so many times Christians come up with excuses on why it's okay to have sin in their life. They rationalize it. They justify it. They say, well, God understands. Trust me, we all sin. But there's a big difference when you sin and you come to God and ask for forgiveness, and you realize that things have to change, and you ask God to transform you, compared to sinning and not caring, not coming to God, not asking for forgiveness, and then saying it's okay. I don't care if the whole world says that something is okay. If, the, if God's word says it's wrong, it's wrong. I don't care if there's millions of people in the world saying this is okay because it's just the way it is now in 2023. No, 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 no. God's word is the truth through all generations. And God's word is what we have to obey. So if we believe that it's okay for us to rationalize sin and accept sin and to come up with excuses and jump on bandwagons of the world justifying things that you know it's not right. It's a red flag. There's a part of your heart that's not surrendered to God.
And even now, here at the altar, there's palm branches in the shape of a cross. And the reason why we have this here is because in a second, you'll have an opportunity to lay down your life to God. Here, walk into the altar. Here, where the red carpet is here, you're pretty much coming forward, laying down your life before God. Laying it all before God. And then you're going to pick up this cross. And this cross is not necessarily to remind you of what Jesus did. This is to remind Jesus and to let Jesus know that you're, le- you're picking up your cross. On Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, a lot of people were waving palm branches, making a lot of noise, but they weren't willing to pick up their cross. They weren't willing to lay it all down. They weren't willing to lay down their lives as a red carpet for the king to walk on. And let me tell you, that's the greatest thing that you could do for God is to lay down all your life, not hold anything back. Don't wait until another day. Don't wait for another moment. With all of your heart, laying down your life before him is the greatest thing that you could do. Because when you lay down your life, that's when you'll find your life in him. If everyone could bow their heads. Father God, even right now, in a few seconds, we're going to be coming forward. And God, I just pray as they're evaluating their heart and lay down their heart. I pray as they come forward, as the moment they stand up and come to the altar, they, that, that they would realize that they're even able to come before your presence because of the red carpet you laid down for them to walk on. But as they come forward and pick up this cross, and as they come forward and lay down their lives, God, I pray that your presence would saturate this altar, saturate their lives as they lay down everything, God. We pray that you would be the king over every area of their life, Lord God, in Jesus' name. So if everyone could come forward, whoever chooses to, this is a choice. If you're not ready, you could stay seated, but you could come forward, lay down your life, pick up a cross, Find an area here in the altar, and Pastor Harold's going to lead us in worship right now to God. As we close, I want every single person to realize that holding palm branches is not just something we're going to do here on earth, worshiping God. In Revelations chapter 7, verse 9, referring to a picture seen in heaven, it says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches. In their hands. Father God, we thank you for this day. We lay down our lives, God. Forgive us, God, for chasing after so many different things, God. We're chasing after you today, God. God, 
We put you first over everything, God. God, help us, Lord God, understand how to follow you, Lord God. God, every single day, Lord God, that we would live in your presence, Lord God, that we would dwell in your presence, Lord God, every second of our life, Lord God, and that we would always learn from our master and truly be a disciple, that we wouldn't just be a student that would learn information, but God, that we would be a student that would become just like our master. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen, amen. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.